like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, fellow travelers. I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and I write the Dear Therapist advice column for The Atlantic. And I'm Guy Winch. I'm the author of Emotional First Aid, and I write the Dear Guy advice column for TED. And this is Dear Therapists. Each week, we invite you into a session so you can learn more about yourself by hearing how we help other people come to understand themselves better and make changes in their lives. So sit back and welcome to today's session. This week, a young man seeks our counsel on whether to try to get his girlfriend back. I absolutely love her. And it just kills me because I know the main problem, you know, was the drinking. And, you know, I told her, like, I don't have to ever drink again. First, a quick note. Dear Therapist is for informational purposes only. It does not constitute medical or psychological advice and is not a substitute for professional health care advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical or psychological condition. By submitting a letter, you are agreeing to let iHeartMedia use it in part or in full, and we may edit it for length and clarity. In the sessions you'll hear, all names have been changed for the privacy of our fellow travelers. So hi, Guy. Hey, Lori. What do we have today? Today we have a letter about a breakup and some regret. And it goes like this. Dear Therapist, my girlfriend and I recently split up after a one-year relationship. This is my second long-term relationship. The other lasted about three years. Yet I find myself way more upset about the breakup this time around. The worst part of it all is that we are both still in love with each other, but because of a few of my actions, we have split up now. We have been broken up for close to three weeks, and I am wondering whether or not you think I should just shut the door on a comeback. I understand that what I did was wrong, like saying rude things to her when I would be drunk, and that caused her sadness, but I also know that she still loves me and is also extremely broken up about this. She says she needs time to heal, but I also don't want her moving on and finding someone else. She tells me that I'm her first real love, so I just have this feeling of hope for a reconciliation that I'm holding on to. A lot of issues from my first relationship have carried over to this one, and it's been unfair to her, and I understand that, but a lot of the issues are things that I just came to terms with and I'm starting to understand now. Thank you all for your help. Mark. Well, this issue of couples who break up and want to consider trying again 
is really common, and we see that a lot in our therapy offices. And the principle that's the most important is, if you're going to do it again, A, both people have to want to, but B, you have to figure out what wasn't working and how you're going to do it differently. Just wanting to do things again, but not really understanding what needs to be different and what to change almost inevitably leads to the same problems happening and the breakup just happening again. Well, that's right. And he said he's just coming to terms with those things now. It's one thing to have the insight. It's another thing to be able to act on it. So we always like to say that insight is the booby prize of therapy, that you can have all the insight in the world, but if you don't make changes out in the world, the insight is useless. So is he ready to use the insight that he has and put it into action in the relationship? And what is she willing to do? How much time is she willing to invest in this as he tries to come to terms with some things from the past? Right. And are they able to work together to navigate these waters because they're going to have to communicate and be very clear about how to avoid the icebergs that already felled them once. So let's go talk to him and see what this is about. Let's do that. You're listening to Dear Therapists from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dear Therapist. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lori Gottlieb. And I'm Guy Winch. And this is Dear Therapists. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me and taking the time. You're very welcome, Mark. Mark, tell us a little bit about the relationship, how you met, how old you were, how it went, and where things are today. Sure. So we met uh, summer of 2019. I was 24. She was 22. 
So two year difference. She knew who I was because we went to the same school. One of our mutual friends like introduced us uh, right off the bat. Like we had a connection. So like we hung out uh, towards the end of that summer, and then she was going back to school. I was coming off like a longer, like three year relationship. Um, I was probably six months removed from this relationship at this point. I necessarily wasn't ready for another relationship. So she goes back to school. We still communicate. She starts like leaving school during weekends, like to come see me. Clearly, it's like was progressing more than um, either of us have pretty much expected. So then we fast forward to the next summer and we both had rental houses for the summer near each other. We're spending every weekend together. I would just stay down there and make a long commute in the morning. I would drive like an hour to work, an hour back, you know. So like almost like living together at this point. Um, we were together all summer, not official, of course. That came at the end of the summer when like we were like, yeah, all right, we could uh, take this to the next step, you know. When you say not official, you had been dating for a year at that point and it was still not official? No, no, we were... I would say exclusive to each other, you know, talking every day. So, you know, everything but the title. I feel like the title at this point was just like something in my head. Like I had gone through a really long relationship that didn't pan out. And it was like a super stressful situation for me. So I just felt like with the title came all these added expectations and all this external pressure that I wasn't ready for. Sounds like you were dating for about a year in this way where it wasn't really defined. Mm -hmm. What actually made it official between the two of you, where it was directly communicated between the two of you that it was official? What changed that was just like simply me like asking her to be my girlfriend. Our day-to-day, -day, nothing really changed. You know, we talked all day, every day. We hung out every weekend. After the summer ended, our leases ended for that, for the summer. And then she was moving out because she had graduated school at this point. So um, basically throughout that whole process, I was, you know, there helping her every step of the way. Like I was building all the furniture for her house. At this point, our relationship was gone, you know, I'd say very well. So fast forward a few weeks after that, this is where like uh, our issues like arise. One night when we were out drinking, I got a little too drunk. And then I said some like mean things to her. Like I had gotten really drunk and for some reason I had called her a slut. These weren't, like, uh, thoughts I have of her. Like, I think the most of her, I, I don't know where that came from at this time. And obviously, she was super upset with me. Like, how could you say that to me? Like, you're dating me. Like, why would you say that? And, like, I didn't have any, you know, explanation. I had no idea where that came from. Had that ever happened before where you drank too much and said things that you regretted later and that were kind of inexplicable to you? Back in school, I mean, it would happen, but like I never had said that to my ex-girlfriend. When it happened back in school, what did you say and to whom? It would just be like my friends, like we would just like get mad and get in an argument. Just like it was never, never anything to this like point, you know, never anything like a, like a personal attack like that. It was never something like I had to wake up the next day and like I was like, wow, I can't believe like I said that. Did it happen often or how often would you say it would happen? Not often, not often at all. And with her, was this the first time that this had happened? Yeah, this was the first time this happened. And then I guess like two or three weeks after that, it happened again. And it got to the point it happened like four times, five times. And obviously like she was fed up this whole time. Uh, like she was 
trying to get me to go to therapy because we realized like my first relationship, there was like a lot of, it just like wasn't a healthy relationship at all. And that was my first ever relationship. After it happened the first time, how did the two of you talk about it and move past that? She was obviously very upset. I apologized to her. I told her like, it won't happen again. Obviously that didn't happen. So after it happened the second time, what happened between the two of you? I want to hear what happened each time and how the two of you dealt with it. The second time she got super upset. I apologized. I said like, I know I said it wouldn't happen. I don't know why it happened. And then after the second time is when I started going to therapy actually, because I realized I told her, I was like, listen, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to try to like get to the, to the root of this problem. Like clearly there's something, you know, going on. Did you consider moderating the drinking since it was directly tied to over drinking? Yes. And it didn't work. But now ever since, you know, we broke up for like this last, you know, it's close to two months now. The drinking has been very limited. I've, you know, keeping control of myself. I'm, you know, doing things that my therapist has told me to do. And I've let her know too. And, you know, she does say she's proud of me, like for the progress I've made. Was the drinking something that had been problematic for you before this? I'd say I would definitely always have, you know, been a drinker. Just uh, the environment I'm in, uh, like people I go out with are like, you know, we're a very like social group. So I definitely like am exposed to it a lot. Did you feel like when you were drinking that you were drinking to a point that you would not be in control of yourself? That that was a regular thing? Yeah, honestly, as bad as it sounds, like it kind of was to the point where it was like a regular thing. It's not like I would wake up and like want to drink, you know, it would just be a Friday, Saturday thing. We go out all together. The thing that changed was in the summer, we, me and her went out together all the time. And like I did drink then too. And she, she drinks as well. Like, but it was never an issue. So that's like why I've been so confused about the situation because one day, it happened and it's like it opened the gates and then led it to happening multiple times. Was she able to tell you what, because you don't have the recollection of what happened, was she able to describe to you what happened that led you to call her a slut in each of those cases? She would say like, out of nowhere, like, and I know um, one day it happened and my best friends were there. And so that was the first time it happened where other people like heard it. Like, like, it was extremely embarrassing. Like, it was just um, like really sad, you know, because then I had my best friend for like 15 years at this point. It's just been like, I've never like seen you like say or do anything like that. Like that's so completely out of character for you. How long have you been seeing a therapist at this point? About two months. And what has that been like for you in terms of understanding more about what might be going on? Honestly, uh, I love it. It's just like good to talk to someone, you know, therapy has never been something like I would... Uh, like thought I would do myself. You know, I always thought I had everything pretty under control, but obviously that's not the case. It's definitely been good. It's a good outlet. I've been like journaling a lot, um, listening to the podcast a lot, listening to all the episodes, you know. It's definitely been super helpful. I realized a lot of the issues have stemmed from that first relationship I was in. Just because it was my first relationship and like I was, I guess that's how I viewed how a relationship, like that's like normal things, you know when in reality it wasn't necessarily normal. Can you tell us a little bit about that relationship? Sure. So it was my second year of college. I met this girl. Um, 
I met her in class and we were together on and off for, until a year after graduation, pretty much. So like three years. Um, it was a pretty crazy relationship. Like, for example, we started dating and literally the weekend we started dating, one of my friends was out with her and sent me pictures of her with like another guy already. So like the first weekend, right off the bat, my first like real, real relationship, like that's what I was like greeted by, you know, and that was like lingered over our relationship the whole time. And like that gave me like some serious trust issues. Well, how did you handle that when that happened? I got the pictures and like I, it was late at night. I couldn't sleep all night. Um, the next day she was actually working. I drove to her job to talk to her about it. She blamed on her being too drunk and like she didn't remember it. And I was able to forgive her. But those trust issues definitely lasted the whole relationship. I was always, you know, questioning things. And like I never like fully trusted her. Did that girlfriend continue to hook up with other guys? Or was it a one-time incident that left you feeling distrustful throughout the relationship? Yeah, so it was definitely a one-time incident from what I know, of course. We just like had a lot of issues in that relationship because she was a bartender at like the popular bar school. I feel like that was like the cloud on that relationship for pretty much the whole time. Why was that a cloud? I guess just like insecurities, just like trust issues between us. Mutual? Did she have trust issues with you as well? No, I, not that I know of. I don't think so. Like, I never uh, like cheated on her or did anything. You know, I always like gave her full access to anything she wanted. When you say you gave her full access to anything she wanted, was she questioning you? No, but like if she ever felt uneasy about something or like someone, I would, if she wanted to like see certain text messages, I would show her. Like, I never really had anything to hide from her in that. It sounds like she did have some trust issues if she was asking to see some text messages. She never did specifically, but like as a way for me to prove, you know, my innocence. Not that she was like assuming I was doing things. Well, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is in a relationship where there's trust, people are not needing to prove their innocence. Yeah. And so it sounds like something happened between the two of you where she communicated in some way that she wasn't sure she could trust you. And then you said, no, 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 you can. Let me show you these text messages. I think it's more so my trust issues with her. I would ask to see something, and I guess as a way to just, like, even the playing field, like, she would, like, catch me slipping in a way, you know? Did she have transparency as well? I mean, was she saying, sure, here's my phone, you can look at whatever you want? Yeah, she did. So what was, other than that first weekend, what else was happening there that maintained the distrust? Well, for example, one time I saw a text from one of her coworkers and I asked her like if I could see more about it. And then like when I looked into the phone, it was like the coworker asking her to go on a date and like her saying like, yeah. And then when I questioned her about it, she was just like, oh, no, like we never did that. Like it, we're just like friends. She never did go on this date, but like no one does this. Like no one right. just texts your friends. She said this. yes to the date. So that's the problem. Yeah. All right. So there was definitely stuff that was going on. Yeah, for sure. And how did you deal with that with her? I was like on the lookout for this coworker. Like I started hanging out with her friend group more and like I eventually was friends with him, but like it was still just something uh, uneasy to see that. <laughs> but you were friends with a guy who asked your girlfriend out while he knew you were with her? Yeah, like not like best friends, but like 
if I went to an event with her friends, like he would be there. It's interesting that you said there was that one incident which happened early on. And then you said there was nothing else that would make you distrust her throughout the relationship. And yet here's an example. Somebody asked her out, which that's fine because that's not her doing. But then she said yes. And whether she went or not is kind of irrelevant because she said yes to a date. So it sounds like there was more than one incident. And can you tell us about others? Sure. So the kid that she cheated on me with that first weekend, he came to school with us. So like we would see him around like a fair amount. So he was always like obviously like on the back of the mind. Um, she like made it clear she wasn't interested, blocked him on everything. But like, there would be times where she would be bartending and I would see him like go up to her and talk to her. And obviously I would react. Come on, like, what are you doing? And she's just like, oh, I'm just doing my job. When in reality, like it to me, obviously, it seems like it was more than that. When you saw the text that she had said yes to the date, what was the conversation like between the two of you? So she said, well, I didn't go on it, so it's okay. But obviously it wasn't okay with you. How did you talk to her about that? Yeah, so I pretty much just like made it clear. Like I was like, no one says yes to go on a date. Like it's not like a like a friendly joke or something like that. And she like understood why I was like disappointed and mad at her about it. And I mean, after that, nothing really came of it. I just like let it go and, you know. Did she apologize to you? And did she understand why this was creating distrust? Yeah, she did apologize. I was mad at her for like a week or so, if I remember correctly. And she definitely would apologize and like felt really bad about it. The thing is, you're dating a popular bartender who's at the center of the social scene. And so there are these two guys, the guy she hooked up with and the other guy from work that, you know, there was a hookup and a flirtation with. And you even saw in social events, the other guy go up to her and she claims, well, I'm just doing my job. He's coming up to the bar. I got to talk to him. But she's a bartender. You got to see a lot of guys talking to her. That had to be a question in your mind every time she's talking to someone. What about this one? What about this one? How did you manage that over the relationship? Yeah, so obviously that's where a lot of our problems, you know, came from in that relationship. Um, it, it was never easy, but eventually, like, it got through to me um, that it's her job and I had to, like, trust her as much as I could. A lot of the nights I was there at the bar, it was never anything, like, out of the ordinary. Like, at that point, I had just, like, become accustomed to it. But did you then become accustomed to it and were able to trust her? Because you're kind of saying, I became accustomed to the fact that this is going on, that that's part of her job, but I still had trust issues throughout. You still had the discomfort, even if you felt, well, I can't voice it all the time because that's, you know, that's part of her job. But it sounded like you were still uncomfortable by that. Yeah, I, I would say that it was pretty much always the case. As time, you know, moved on between us and we spent more time together and we did all these things together, like, I kind of just didn't forget about it, but I just, like, wouldn't let it affect me as much. But in the back of my mind, that was always, like, a problem for me. Tell us about the rest of the relationship and what was going on while this trust issue was happening. What was going well? Were there other issues that were not going well? So besides, you know, the mistrust, I thought our relationship was pretty good. Um, we spent a lot of time together. At school, like we pretty much like lived together. We both graduated, and then I guess that's when it started like going downhill for good. So up to the point of graduation, you felt like 
the trust issue was kind of in the background at that point and things were going well and you imagined that you would continue dating and maybe even possibly end up together. Yeah, for sure. Like her family loved me, my family loved her. Um, it was definitely pretty good. We had, um, we broke up a few times. We took small breaks, but like we would always find our, our way back together. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Um, you kind of tossed that out there. We broke yeah. up a few <laughs> times. So you're saying two things. You're saying one, things were going really well. And the other thing is, oh yeah, and we broke up a few times. So tell us about those few times. It would be like for a small amounts of time, like a week, two weeks. The longest one was, I guess this is another important thing to throw in. To start the relationship, she had had a boyfriend in high school that she dated for, I think, two years. And she was dating him, I believe, uh, her first year of school. So this was before I even knew, knew her. So when I came into the picture, I had known of the ex. And in the beginning, we weren't together right off the bat. So I remember we were leaving. She told me, she was like, I don't think I could keep doing this. Like, I have, you know, my ex. And so she went and visited him in another state during this winter break. So then a month after that, she pretty much like came back to me and was like, yeah, that's like done. I want to be with you. That was the start of your relationship. Yeah. And then after that, like when we, when she finally said that to me, that's like when I started taking it very serious. And then the weekend after <laughs> then that happened. <laughs> so definitely a, a rough start to it. Tell us about the other breakups, the times that you, you said you broke up a few times. Sure. Tell us about those. So it would just be like, you know, we would be arguing a lot. She wouldn't like how I acted if I saw her like talking to a certain guy. When in my mind, like I had reason to, you know, doubt what like what she's actually doing. So what would happen? Who broke up with whom in that situation? One time I broke up with her. Another time, she broke up with me. And did she talk to you about why this was upsetting her, that maybe she felt controlled or she felt like you were not giving her enough space, that she wanted you to trust her and you were kind of monitoring her and being at the bar and, you know, kind of like her chaperone as opposed to her boyfriend? So basically, yeah, she would just like not appreciate like me getting mad about certain things. Like her response was always like, it's my job, like it's my job. What what exactly was she doing that would upset you when she would say, it's my job? The way she would talk to some of the guys, she would like uh, call them close to the bar, like lean over the bar and like talk in the ear. Obviously, like it's a loud bar. Like I understand it to the point, but there were definitely like some people that I was just like a little worried about. Because of the body language? Yeah, just like it looks like flirting, you know? So she would call them over sometimes, not like they would go over and talk to her and she would talk to them, but sometimes she might actually call them over. Yeah. You said we always found our way back, which is kind of a romantic way to think about it. But what happened there? How did you get back? Who would apologize to whom? Who would approach whom? The time I broke up with her, I know like she reached out to me and just like said like, oh, like she misses me. And, you know, she wants to work on things so we could try again and things would be different this time, you know, and it would never really change. Did the two of you ever talk about what specifically would be different? Or it was just a vague, things will be different? Yeah, it, it was just pretty much just like vague. At this point, I was, you know, younger. I wasn't into the therapy. Like, I wasn't like really trying to like look into like the issues and like find the root and all that. Um, that's why I think I brought, you know, a lot of that stuff in that first relationship into this last one, you know. 
like I said in the letter, I'm feel like I'm a lot more upset about this one than I was that first one being over. And that first one was much longer time together. So how did this relationship finally end? After like a while together, um, we graduated a few months after that. It kind of just like, we weren't seeing each other as much because we weren't super close to each other anymore. You know, I'd see her like every weekend, if that, sometimes not even that. And it just felt like it kind of just like ran its course. I went to her house and we just like sat down and we just talked and then we decided to go our separate ways, you know. After that, we didn't, haven't really been in contact. You said you think you carried over stuff from that first relationship to the second one. What specifically do you think you carried over there? I guess a bit of insecurity. After that relationship, that first relationship had ended, like I started learning more and more stuff. Like every time I had a problem in that relationship, and I would bring it up, she would just like think it's me like overthinking and like bugging out about things. And so the insecurity, how did it manifest in your next relationship? I would always like overthink pretty much every situation. If she went out for a while and like didn't answer me for like an hour or two, like I would just like text her and be like, are you okay? Like, are you doing anything? And she never did anything. And it was just like pretty unfair to her. So the trust issue is what carried over really significantly for you. Yeah. Just like being able to like fully trust her. And like she didn't do anything to me to to break that trust in the first place. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up for you, what your parents' relationship was like? Just a little bit about your childhood. My parents have been together my whole life. My mom lived in Cuba. She moved here when she was 18 years old. My dad definitely uh, drank a lot while I was younger, so I'd hear a lot of fights between them. I would later find out, like, my dad had a, a pretty serious, like, drug problem as well. And so when I was a senior in high school, I got, like, called out of school. My brother picked me up and went to my grandparents' house, and, like, they pretty much, like, sat me down, like, just, like, upended my whole world. They told me, like, this whole thing that had happened with my dad and that, like, I'm not going to be seeing him anymore. And so... That was like a pretty big deal. He decided he had to go to rehab. So he like left for about a month or so, and then he came back. And ever since then, he's been completely sober. He doesn't drink anymore, doesn't do anything. Him and my mom never split up. My mom stood by his side during, you know, even the bad times. So that's definitely something I saw, but this is something I've talked to my other therapist about as well. This was, uh, like a complete shock to me. The one person like I looked up to in my life, like I found this out and like I had no idea. It completely blindsided me. Was the family involved in the rehab? A lot of the times family is brought in, especially when they're adults. You were, you were 18, I think, at that point. Was you a part of that? Was that discussed? I went and visited him t two times when he was in there. Did you and he talk about it? Did he talk to you about what was going on? Yeah, we had like pretty serious conversations about it after. And we have a great relationship now. Him and my mom are obviously still together. They're, they're better than they've ever been ever since he pretty much like came back from that. They rarely fight, nothing like it used to be. And his issue was with alcohol and what drugs? Cocaine. And the fact that he had those issues with alcohol and cocaine, did that give you any misgivings about your own 
you saw any warning about, I need to be cautious about my relationship with alcohol and with drugs because I have it with my dad and I've seen what happened to him. Obviously, it was, it's always something that's like been on my mind, but like obviously I continue to do it. Now is when I'm like realizing that like, you know, I'm getting older, I need to like start being more responsible and uh, like I'm taking it a lot more serious than I ever had before. Back then I was in school, like I wanted to have fun, you know. I tried to not let that like control me or make like his decisions be a reflection on me. But after this, all this has happened, like now I'm realizing that like I need to cut it down and I have been doing so for for the last few weekends now. What does it mean by cutting it down? Because everybody has a different definition of that. Sure, sure. Now I I go out and have, you know, three beers, four beers. You know, my friends have all, all continued to, you know, drink as they used to because none of them, you know, they're all fine. But myself, like I just like am pacing myself, you know, mixing in waters if I have to. But I haven't been drunk in the last month. And that's been, you know, it's been a while since I've gone that long. Why do you think you stayed given that you were on edge so much of the time during that relationship? I remember feeling uh, like we're just like always thinking to myself like, why I can't wait to graduate? So like she's done with this bartending job and, you know, we don't. <laughs> so like, that was kind of something uh, I held on to. And like she was also excited. She, she would say to me, like, oh, I can't wait. Like when we're done, I got like my full time job and like we just don't have to deal with this anymore. So that was definitely something we both, you know, thought about. But then it happened. You graduated. She wasn't a bartender anymore. And so at that point, you said that was when you split up. So what do you think happened there where this was this time when this big kind of elephant in the room that existed between the two of you was going to go away? And now the two of you could have more normalcy and see who you were to each other. But it sounds like you didn't want to explore that with each other once you had the freedom to do that. I was definitely excited about it. I think we both were. But, you know, as time passed, I guess, you know, not being together as much as we used to be, like, the space, we had more, a lot more space between us. I, I felt like the relationship had run its course. And it's like the spark was gone, you know, after, after all, like, we've been through together. Like, it was just like a, it was a long relationship. And it was definitely taxing on, on myself. This is so interesting to me. It reminds me a little bit of people who have some kind of obstacle in their relationship, like they're long distance or, you know, or someone is having an affair and they're finally going to leave their partner and the couple will now be free to be together. And then they've been waiting for that. That's the thing that they've been holding on to. And then they get that and then they don't want it. And I wonder if part of the allure, when I asked earlier why you stayed in this for so long, was that you couldn't really have her in the way you wanted to. And then when you maybe could, you could at least explore that, you didn't want her anymore. And when we talk about the most recent relationship, I wonder if some of that is what's being brought over. That there's something about you where part of you really wants to have a girlfriend and is that romantic and wants to have this kind of relationship. But another part of you isn't quite comfortable with it and sabotages it in some way. Yep. So in the most recent relationship, at the start, she was the one that was like a lot more interested in me and wanting to pursue me. And at the beginning, I was more hesitant on it. Like I 
got out of this long relationship, I wasn't ready to jump into a new one yet. Like, so in the beginning, like I definitely had my wall up and my guard up for a longer time. And yeah, and eventually I obviously like brought her in and then I thought it was great. Right. So consciously you, you quote unquote made it official and you took that leap. But then when you drank, the part of you that I think was maybe afraid of what this was made sure that it would not progress because you you kept doing something that would push her away. And you weren't intentionally doing it. You were drunk. Mm-hmm. But the, I think that you have these two parts of yourself. There's the part that really wants to be in a healthy relationship that feels good. And there's another part of you that just doesn't trust that someone's going to be there for you in that way that feels very scary. It's very anxiety provoking and you don't ever want to be in that situation again. And even though this current person hasn't done anything to make you feel like she's not trustworthy, I think that you have this feeling inside, this question inside about whether somebody really wants you and and just you. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty good. You know, um, it's something I've talked about with my therapist, like how I feel like I'm self-sabotaging it in a way, just like you said. I agree. I think part of it is because, like, the people in my life that, like, I fully trusted, you know, I just, like, haven't even been able to trust. First with my dad and everything that happened with that situation, like, that bombshell, and then with my first girlfriend, like, I just, like, wasn't even able to build up that trust with her. Do you know how to build trust with someone when you're dating them? Because, for example, you said you didn't, know what it was that led to you calling her a slut four times. But given what you're describing, truly, you can just be in a bar somewhere, you know, a guy could just pass by and ask her where the restroom is, and you turn around, you see her talking to someone, and that might do it. Because one thing that's important in this kind of situation is to be super aware of what your triggers are. Have you come up with any other kinds of steps that you might take if this relationship were to continue to avoid those traps? Yeah, so, like, with this last relationship, I know, just to touch on your point a little bit, like, we were out one time, and, like, a mutual friend of ours, like, was talking to her. Like you said, like, they got, like, close to her ear because, like, we're in a bar and it's loud. And, like, I would just, like, have, like, a flashback, like, back at school, and I would just, like, I'd see myself getting angry, and, like, I would just, like, try to control myself, and then I would bring it up to her. She would just say, like, you know him, like, like he's my friend too. Like, and there was actually nothing to be worried about. It was just kind of just like PTSD, just like kicking in, like attributing the last relationship to her when in reality it's obviously nothing that I had to be, you know, even worried about at all. When Guy was asking, do you know how to build trust? I think we need to be clear about who you're trying to trust. In this case, you said there's nothing she's done that would make you distrust her. Sometimes the reason that we can't trust someone is is not that we don't trust them. It's that we don't trust that someone will love us, that we don't trust that we are lovable, that we are lovable enough to sustain someone over time in a monogamous relationship. And so it's not so much about trusting her, but it's about having trust in the idea that someone can love you. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah. As time goes on, like you just like question, like, am I enough? I'm an overthinker. And obviously you see and hear all these stories, you know, it's definitely like something that 
it's probably super hard to find someone that's going to, you know, love me for that long. Why do you think that would be hard? I just feel like um, everything that goes on, like, nowadays, it's just, like, hard to find someone that will be, like, committed to one person for a long period of time. And I think that with this last girlfriend, there will be a trust issue on her end as well at this point, right? Because four times yeah. you've said these things to her, and so she will also have a hard time trusting. What is the current status between the two of you? Are you in touch? You know, this you, you wrote a letter about, you know, can this work if we came back together? But is that is that an option right now? We're not talking day to day right now. Um, she's told me that she wants just like space to think about things because she does say like at this, like, I don't know how I could trust your word anymore. Like you've told me it was not going to happen anymore. I don't blame her at all. Like, she's completely right. I've also tried to make it clear, like, how I really feel about her. And I told her, you know, every day I'm working to get better. I'm, you know, going to therapy. I'm trying to get to, to the root of all these issues so we could try to control it. And hopefully, if I'm given a chance, it never happen again. How do you feel about her? I absolutely love her. Just the way I feel about her is, is completely different from that, that first relationship. And it just kills me because I know... The main problem, you know, was the drinking and what came after that. And, you know, I told her, like, I don't have to ever drink again. Like, I, that's something I realized recently was that's not really important to me. I'm ready to, like, move on from this, you know, stage. See, I don't think the main problem was the drinking. I think the drinking brought out the problem. Yeah. And the problem was that you don't trust that someone can love you and sustain their love in you, that they're not going to lose interest or that some shiny person out there won't take them away from you. Mm -hmm. And that's really the issue that whether it's this relationship or another relationship that you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. So at, at this point, is she saying, I don't want to have any communication for the time being, or is there an opening there? She wants her space generally on day to day, but then for example, yesterday she'll send me a picture of like a meal she cooked because, you know, we would cook together. And like Friday, you know, she sent me like a message like saying, oh, like I miss you. But like, I just know I just like uh, I don't think we could be together right now. Not mixed messages, but like sometimes that we see each other like uh, like just casually talking and like bring bringing it back, you know, and that's kind of what like, gives me hope that we could be together again. Does she know that you love her still? Yes. She says it back to me as well. Because I said that in that first relationship that was never repaired, what happened that first weekend and, and before, it, it was never repaired. And the one way that you repair those things is that you would have had to have known at that point, like how that happened, how she allowed herself to do that, what she can say to you that will reassure you that she's got that under control, that whatever that was won't happen again, etc. And this current, this past girlfriend, this most recent ex, is also in that position of, okay, you apologized for it the first time, said it wouldn't happen again, happened again, said it wouldn't happen again, happened again four times. I'm sure she has her friends and family saying, come on, how many times does it take? Which means that she doesn't have, and you might not have either yet, but she doesn't have yet a way to think about this in which she has an understanding of what it was that triggered it and what steps you are taking and can take to truly prevent that from happening again. 
so she would not feel that safe in the relationship with you until she really had a good idea that, oh, you know what, maybe that will work to give him a handle on it. Maybe that's something that would make a difference. So like every time uh, I have a therapy session, if we like come through, comes to like a realization, like I'll just like send their message, like letting her know like, hey, like this, this and this, you know, after like the last two weekends, like I, I just send their message like, hey, like just so you know, like I'm completely sober. She would say like, yeah, I'm like proud of you. Like I'm happy you're doing all this. I'm keeping her in the loop about like the progress that's being made. You know, I know it's like takes time and it's not going to just happen overnight, but she definitely knows how committed I am to making any necessary changes. And that's a great first step. But I think what we're talking about is talking about your inner world with her in a way that you haven't yet. So, Mark, we have some advice for you, and it's in two parts. The first part is this. We think that, yes, you got traumatized by that first relationship. For sure, it was very, very difficult. But we also think that there's a fundamental insecurity you have in which you are worried that the next guy that comes along, the next shiny object that comes along, whoever you're with will go, oh, he's better. Let's go over there. There is a basic, I think, insecurity. You feel that you can be loved fully and loyally and in a trusting way just for who you are and for what you have to offer. We also think you have a lot to offer. We think you're a good guy. We think you're romantic in a very lovely way. And we're not sure that you're fully in touch with how much you have to offer. And so what we'd like you to do is an exercise that's called a self-affirmation exercise. And what it is is that you write down a list of qualities that you know you have that are meaningful and meaningful in relationships. Like the fact that you're a 26 year old guy, but you're going to therapy and you're gainfully employed and you're loyal and you're emotionally available and you can explore your feelings and you're not afraid of talking about the relationship and how each of you feel in a situation. So there's a lot you have to offer. That's not necessarily what most 26 year old guys bring to the table. You do bring some of the regular stuff. You're a good-looking guy, and you know how to have fun, and you can lead, and you can organize, and you can be social. You bring all of that to the table as well. And so I'd like you to make that list as exhaustively as you can. If you want to have 100 items on there, all the better. And then for every day in the next week, we'd like you to choose one of the items you think is most meaningful and that you embody most. You said you journal. We'd like you to write a couple of paragraphs at least about that item, one a day, about why it's meaningful, how you've embodied it or exhibited it in the past, how it's been received, how other people have appreciated it in the past, and how they might appreciate it in the future. And the idea there is to really remind yourself of what you have to offer that is strong, that is good, that is attractive so that you feel more secure and that you feel like it's going to take a big man to outshine me here so that you don't feel that everyone who leans over and whispers something to your girlfriend in a bar or in any setting is actually a threat. So that's the first part. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's something I could do. I think it'll be good. Great. And then we have a second part to the advice. And that's about dealing with the ex-girlfriend. Can we give her a name? Sure, Nikki. So we want you to have a conversation with Nikki where you start off by saying, you must feel like giving me another chance would make you seem like such an idiot after the several chances that you've already given me. Because you've been through this before in another relationship where you asked for something and the person didn't regain your trust, you know what that's like yourself. And that you wouldn't be asking this of her if you hadn't gone through that from the other side yourself. So you understand the position that she's in. But the difference here in terms of what you're asking now is that you're really going through this process of understanding what is happening. And you want her to know that you own 100% what happened, that she is not responsible for any of it. And that not only do you own it, but you're starting to understand the real reasons why you did that, what's going on, what has been happening for you, and that it's not just the drinking. It's not just, I got drunk and this is what happens when I get drunk. It's having this very vulnerable conversation about the real reason. And the real reason is, you will say to Nikki, I have a fear that I am not enough. And I didn't realize that I had that fear. And part of it is that I was scarred by the relationship before. But part of it is that this is just something that I need to work on. This is something that I come with and that I don't want to bring into another relationship. And I certainly wouldn't want to bring into a new version of the relationship with you. So what I'm asking for is a reboot. Given that I understand more about where this is coming from, that I own it completely, that I am working tirelessly on trying to figure this out, and that I also have some tools so that I can work on making this not happen. Like, I know that being in a bar is very triggering for me right now, and that maybe that would not be a good place for us to go on a date. What I'm proposing is, I would like to do a reboot where we take it one date at a time. And we just reevaluate after every date. How did that go? How are we doing? Are we communicating with each other? No rushing, fully communicating, a real chance to get to know each other, not only again, but differently from the way we did the first time. And that is my proposal. Would you go on a date with me in this new way? Now, she may say yes, in which case the instructions are, if you go on the date with her, we would like you to notice how you're feeling on the date. We want you to monitor yourself. Oh, did I just notice a cute guy walk by and I got anxious? Uh, and by the way, we don't want this date to happen in a bar. So it might be that you take a walk together, you go to the beach, you have a picnic, you know, whatever it is, you go to lunch together. And can you have fun together? And can you notice yourself? Can you notice when things are happening before you react to them? Doing a lot of self-talk. Oh, I noticed that she looked to the right and there was a cute guy there. And you being able to breathe through it, right? Really noticing. And when you get back from the date to journal about what you noticed about you, not about what she did, what you noticed about you and how you were able to stay more connected to her instead of going off into these stories that you create around what might be going on in her mind. We want you to really focus on what's going on in your mind and then challenge 
some of those beliefs. And if she says no to the date, we would like you to let her know that you completely understand why she is concerned about starting to do this reboot. And let her know that at the same time, that because you love her so much, and because you're coming to all of these realizations, that you can't be in contact with her if you're not going to be doing this reboot with her, at least for the next month. And so you want to go off and do the work that you need to do and let her do whatever she needs to do in terms of the healing she needs to do. And then ask her if it's okay if you could call her in a month just to see where the two of you are and if anything has changed. And you will hopefully have done a lot of work in that time and maybe she'll have done some healing in that time. And if she says yes, then you'll call her in a month and you'll see, can you do the reboot then? Maybe you don't even want to do the reboot then. Maybe you've come to a place where you, this is not what you want to do and maybe she doesn't want to do it. So maybe you both will want the same thing. Maybe you will want different things or maybe you both will say, we, we don't want to pursue this. But it will take you out of that limbo that is very, I think, anxiety provoking about like, well, what's she doing? Is she on the apps? Is she dating other people? What does that mean that she sent me this photo of dinner she was cooking? It will clarify something in a very direct way. What is our status right now? And what are we doing with each other? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. One quick addition. We want you to emphasize to her that, Nikki, I'm not asking you to trust me because you can't right now. I'm asking you to give me a chance to gain your trust. That's really all I'm asking. And either I'll succeed and I think I might, or I won't. But I'm not asking you to come in blindly. I'm asking you to come in with, as a skeptic and give me a chance to regain your trust. And the philosophy behind the one date at a time is a little bit like people with addictions. They can't say, I will never use again, but they can say, I'm going to take this one day at a time. And so you're going to take it one date at a time as you're working on this, where you can manage that smaller chunk of on this one date, can I really tune into myself? Can I monitor my reactions to things? And then you do it again on another date. And so you're not saying to her, I will never do this again. You're saying, if I do this kind of work, there's a much higher likelihood that I will never do this again. Yeah, awesome. Okay, great. We look forward to hearing back from you. Awesome, guys. I really appreciate the time. Thank you guys for the help. So I think this is one of those situations where you think it's a discrete issue, like, should I get back together with this girlfriend? But there are some underlying issue that is driving it. And here we have this idea that the other shoe is going to drop. First, it happened with his father, the other shoe dropped, and then it happened with the first girlfriend. And he has this belief that you can't get too comfortable because the minute you get too comfortable, something bad will happen. And I think that what happened with his father was actually really important here. Because I think for Mark, the idea that if the person that you know so well, your father, you didn't know this about them, and you can suddenly be taken out of school and given this bombshell, then how can you trust people? And I think that combined with this insecurity that he came with, that doesn't recognize his own strengths and what he has to offer, I think those things together, the dad, the experience with a girlfriend, and that insecurity have really set him up to have these issues in relationships, and he's going to have them 
until he deals with them. And I'm so glad that he's in therapy and I'm so glad that he's really taking it seriously. You can see this is someone who wants to figure this out and who wants to do the work. That's true. After the second time that this happened, he went to therapy. His girlfriend said, you need to go to therapy. And instead of hemming and hawing or saying, I'll just cut back on my drinking, he said, yes. And he went to therapy. And I think that speaks volumes. And I hope that when he calls her, whether or not she decides to go on a date with him, that she can really take in what he's saying, because I think it's going to take a lot of courage for him to do that. And so I hope that it's received well. You're listening to Dear Therapist from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a short break. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. So, Guy, we heard back from Mark, and let's hear what happened for him. Hi, Guy and Lori. Hope all is well. So since our talk, um, I worked on the journaling exercise. Honestly, I found it to be extremely helpful. You know, these last few weeks have been extremely hard on me. You know, I've been uh, very down on myself pretty much every day. It's just a hard time, and I just blame myself every day for... Ruining the relationship, you know, something that was so great, something that I thought would be forever. And my actions and my words caused too much harm. And yeah, it's been rough. But um, the journaling was great. You know, a nice little reminder that, you know, just something to pick myself up as opposed to putting myself down, which 
is something I just like found myself doing a lot recently. In terms of the conversation with Nikki, we had a pretty long conversation. I told her I feel, I told her everything, and unfortunately, she just did not want to go on a date. She just said she still needed space and that she was like upset and just can't get over like the words I said to her. I don't blame her at all. I know it, you know, that I hurt her and it wasn't right. And that's just not something you say to someone you care about. But hopefully could revisit this in a month. And, you know, maybe the space makes her realize something. I just can't give up on the hope. So we'll see what happens. Thank you guys so much for the help. I really appreciate it. And I did find it to be very helpful. Take care, guys. It sounds like things are still really rough for him. And yet he found the conversation helpful. And I think that's because when we understand more about our role in a situation and when we get more clear about what it's really about, it gives us a path forward. It might not be a path forward with Nikki, but it gives us a path forward. And I think that he needs a little bit of time to really employ self-forgiveness. Sometimes you need to get a little bit more distant from things before you can look back and go, yes, I made mistakes, which he can see and accepts, and he needs to be able to get to that place of self-forgiveness. Well, right. I think the self-forgiveness is so important because you can't make progress when you are self-flagellating. And I don't think he can really do the work that he needs to do when he's in this place of blaming himself. You know, there's this saying, hope is not a good strategy. So he needs to do more than hope. He keeps talking about hope. But I think what he needs to do is he needs to do the work. And I think he's finally gotten the wake-up call. And now he just needs to act on it. So, Mark, if you're listening, this is the time to practice self-forgiveness and to really do that work. Next week, a single woman deals with shame about getting a late start in dating and sex. I guess I'm afraid to get into a relationship in a sense, because then people ask you like about your history and it's embarrassing one to be 53 and single. You know, when you mention that to people, they're always like shocked. And I've had people say, oh gosh, what's wrong with you? Hey, fellow travelers. If you're enjoying our podcast each week, Don't forget to subscribe for free so that you don't miss any episodes. And please help support Dear Therapist by telling your friends about it and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews really help people to find the show. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, big or small, email us at laurieandguy at iheartmedia.com. Our executive producer is Noel Brown. We're produced and edited by Mike Johns, Josh Fisher, and Chris Childs. Our interns are Dorit Corwin and Silver Lifton. Special thanks to Allison Wright and to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Couric. We can't wait to see you at next week's session. Dear Therapists is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. 
BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.